Hello and welcome to Switch It, the podcast that's always looking to chase. England's entertainers took their test match mashup act to another level at Edgbaston as the Stokes McCullum combination made it four from four. This time, India were the opponents sucked in and spat out by Baz's ballers, as a series that they seemed set to sweep 10 months ago ended up as a 2 2 draw. Ben Stokes called it at the toss, but few expected England to gallop across the line a few days later with so little difficulty, having gunned down their highest ever chase in tests by a seven-wicket margin. Stokes has talked about rewriting the way the game is played, and we're certainly having to rearrange some preconceptions. But is this really a Red Bull revolution, or just some sexy slogging with excellent PR? There are other questions too. What was going on in that broad over to Bumrah? Why did Joe Root celebrate his 100 with a wiggled pinky? And who, or what, is the Nighthawk? Joining me to ponder all this and more is Andrew Miller, ESPN Crick Info's UK editor and the High Priest of Basball, an associate editor slash clothes horse, Vish Ihantaraja. Uh, g'day, chaps. Well, that was fun. Miller, we'll go straight to you. You were taking the red pill right from the start, so uh, let's, uh, let's get to this. Have England decoded the Matrix? Yes, yes, they have. Insofar as teams are going to have to react to this, there is there is a new way of doing things in town. Now it's not going to work everywhere. It's not going to work every time. But England are pretty open and honest about that. You know, they 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 recognise that there will be days then it, it, it will go wrong. Joe Root was say saying yesterday that you know batting is a game of failure. I mean, not when you're Joe Root in the current form that he's in, but. Broadly speaking, he's got a point. You know, you, if you go in there thinking I'm going to fail, you're likely to fail because that's generally how most innings end. If you go in there thinking, you know what, let's just give it a go, let's hang the consequences, let's see what we can achieve, then you can achieve something. And by setting out to achieve the unachievable, by by chasing totals that that even six months ago, teams even a month ago, teams would just say, you know what, that's just not going to happen in Test cricket, given everything we know about field placings and new balls and and the pressure of the occasion and the pressure of history ah freak out let's block for our lives and as we saw previously England weren't very good at that um so they've, they've done it differently I'm you know I yeah they have decoded it but it will change teams will find ways to change it teams will start saying to England okay you go and have the, the tricky third inning see how you can basball your way to a to- total that we can defend you know India you know, given Rishabh Pant given half a chance to chase three seven eight, is he going to give it a go under the current climate? You bet he is. So, you know, they they've changed things. It's not going to. I'm not 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 trying to pretend that they're going to win every single time from here on in. But in terms of saying to world cricket, world Test cricket, here's a new way of looking at the game. Absolutely, they've changed it, and for the better, in my opinion. Um, Vish, last time you were on here, you mentioned the Emperor's New Clothes. Um, as an expert on such matters, uh, what's the verdict now you've seen those threads up close? Well, um, I don't know. You know, as Miller said, that there is a. we're about to see a bit of a, a correction in terms of how... Well, not, maybe not a correction, but this it feels like this can't go on for long because other teams are going to react in a certain way. And so it might be that down the line, in a year's time, that we are thinking, God, what was that all about? But right now, in typical Emperor's New Clothes style, you know, I'm, I'm in the nude and I don't care. <laughs> because there was something just, about... Just the image we wanted. <laughs> I can only apologise to the listeners for that. But We can only see I... from, like, the chest up, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the... Um, I think the thing that happened to me during Edgbaston was that you know, if you look at that England first innings, and let's talk specifically about the manner that Ben Stokes got out, and then and Root as well. Actually, I thought Root Root played quite a bad shot trying to cut a ball that was so close to him. Um, I think you you just have to accept the waves, don't you? And the waves come in the match itself, not just over a series. And there was something about it where I thought, actually, maybe I'm trying to take this too seriously, and maybe. Because for the longest time they've said they want to have fun, they want to entertain fans, and it sounded a bit too much at times. It sounded a bit like, oh, we're doing this for the greater good, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, like Zoltan from Dude, Where's My Car? You're like, why are you all being like this? You know, why don't you just be normal? Um, 
and but normal as it happens is why don't you do things the way they've always been done and you can understand why they don't and you see you're seeing the you know we're seeing the upside here and it's got to a stage where it doesn't really matter what the downside is now because there will be more chases like this they've got a confidence now that has kind of come from just thinking why not but it actually does feel like there's something real there and they might have happened upon it you know you know i wrote that piece yesterday talking about how this has all come about and there are only so many so many caveats you can put in there about or oh, you know it might not last for long this that and the other but they might have, you know they might have stumbled upon this originally but they they truly believe it and they're doing what they can to sustain it um they're basically building a house from the top down and it's working <laughs> I'm no architect, but I don't think that's how it's supposed to be done. Well, um, exactly. Uh, the, the, um, so, Miller, this was England's record fourth innings chase, um, 378 in the, uh, on that uh, final day. Um, almost 100 runs more than the previous best at Edgbaston as well. Uh, South Africa, Graham Smith to the fore back in uh, uh, 2008, shoveling away into the leg side. Uh, and it came after conceding a deficit of 132 on the first innings. Um, Johnny Bairstow sort of put it quite uh, nicely at the end after they polished off off the runs. Uh, it was just two lads from Yorkshire. Um, but but it, was, um, it was a bit more than that, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. I mean... Well, take, let's take one of those two lads from Yorkshire because I, th- I think the, the absolute crux of everything that's going on right here is Joe Root. Now, if you think back to everything that England have achieved in previous previous years, and when I say achieved is when they when they've actually achieved, when they've actually pulled off something in spite of all the circumstances in which this Test team has been operating. You know, the the, con- the constraints that were put upon them by the white ball imperative prior to 2019 and you know COVID and all the rest of it every now and again this team will keep capable of doing something extraordinary from a, a a really unexpected position and now if you think about who has been doing who has been doing extraordinary things you generally think of Ben Stokes don't you You think of the miracle workers England have produced miracles time and time again and generally Ben Stokes is the guy who does the does the miracles the guy who's actually produced more miracles but no one's actually called them miracles is, is Joe Root the miracle of Joe Root is his consistency under pressure, his ability just to thrum along, rotate the strike, get the singles, get to 40 before anyone's noticed him. England have suddenly decided, you know what, we're going to make a virtue of this. We're not going to try chasing miracles anymore. We're going to do it the Joe Root way, which is if you assume that the end game is possible, then you just let's just get there. Let's, just, let's have Alex Lee say, you know what, Alex Lee, do your thing however you like to do it. Let's just get there. And suddenly you're in a position where it's not a miracle anymore that England chasing down 378 in the way that it was a miracle when Ben Stokes got them over the line at Headingley in 2019 for a very similar total. That was a miracle because it was an absolute car crash of a, of a, of a performance from, from first day almost to penultimate day, essentially. And now suddenly they've decided, you know what, that's, that's not the way you want to do it. Let's, let's just all buy into this. Let's all believe that you know each of us can do our little bit towards the non-miracle, and by the time we've all done a little bit, it's actually we're actually home and hose pretty easily. It, the, the collective buy-in is a staggering achievement, but essentially it comes from Joe Root and everyone realising that in that guy in particular, they've got the greatest asset that any team could possibly have right now. Let's all buy into them. I think that's absolutely spot on, and I think the knock-on effect on that, of that is Joe Root's press conference... Um, after that final day at Edgbaston where he said he feels like a kid again. And I think if you look at, you know, we can go back further in Joe Root's career. When he started, he was or he was someone touted as one to watch since the age of, you know, 13, 14. There were whispers about this kid from Sheffield who played at the same club as Michael Vaughan, who's, you know, going to be the next great England batter. And then he comes into the Yorkshire side, he gets promoted. We throw him in the test side in 2012. He's in that middle order. He goes up and opens and then you know, assumes all this responsibility on batting. He's been both, you know, he's been the glue. He's been the, you know, the head of the, the head of the team. And he's had it all on his shoulders for so long. And the idea that at the age of 31, a couple months after giving away the captaincy, because it was, you know, ruining his life, not just kind of impinging on his cricket, but, you know, impinging on his personal life as well and, and making that, more stressful and 
the knock-on effect of being more stressful to the people around him as well. And the idea that he feels like a kid and that he's having the most fun in the most serious format of the game, really, and and, and in the most in the most serious environment to be having that, which is English Test cricket, because of, of not just how we lord it, but what we expect of people from it. And, you know, and it, it's the blazers, it's the offside fields, it's the slip cordons, it's the line and length, you know, everything about how we talk about the game in this country is geared towards discipline. And we've somehow managed to coax out this new type of player from an already great player. And it's a it's a beautiful thing really to watch because I mean I didn't know I didn't know it was possible. The whole point of the white ball revolution was emboldening kids, wasn't it? It wasn't kind of getting back you know, getting established red ball batters to have some midlife crisis and encouraging that. And that's kind of where we are now. Um because, you know, Best of Heart has always been a kid in the way he plays. But Rue had just been a grown-up since he was a kid, and now he's allowed to be a kid again. Uh, putting the fun back in fundamentals, um, Amila, uh, re- reverse reverse ramping uh, for six, uh, fast bowlers for six. I mean, that that could take off. It, it literally, it <laughs> literally could into the stands. Uh, I, I, but why not? I, I, why not? I mean, it's it, it, it's. I mean, this is this is the the, the daft thing about about Test cricket that, you know, and Johnny Bairstow actually decoded it best in his, I think it was after Trent Bridge, he was saying it's basically me against the bowler who's going to blink first. And, you know, if you don't blink and you watch the ball and you are vaguely aware that this is a test test match and therefore it's likely to be line and length in the corridor outside off, if you're ready for that particular ball outside off and prepared to reverse your hands and loft it over the cordon for six, then if you're good enough and you've got a good enough eye, then crack on. I mean, what, where's the harm in that? Um, I, I, I just I just think it's wonderful. I, I genuinely think it's it is the way that cricket needs to go. And again, the, the speed with which England have gone about their chases and taking out the 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 new ball factor or the or the possible possibility of a new ball coming up in eighty overs, it's it has it has awakened I think a, 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 an under appreciated truth about Test cricket that you know. Even in white ball cricket, you end up with you've got one 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 white ball either end. It's actually a harder, tougher ball for longer than this this dog-eared ball, particularly the the Dukes this summer. But you know, for the Dukes this summer, read Kookaburra. Everything everyone everyone's ever complained about the Kookaburra in previous years is it you know it swings for fifteen overs and it goes flat as a pancake. I mean, England are making capital of the fact that the ball is flat as a pancake. And where's the harm in that? Where's the harm in turning the the disciplines and the rigours of Test cricket and that that attritional stuff in the middle overs. I mean, it's literally the sort of stuff that you know, ripping out the boring middle overs in in white ball cricket that happened twenty years ago. You know, I, I remember doing ball by ball for some dismal England matches in about two thousand two, two thousand three, when England are dobbing it around. That doesn't happen anymore because you go you go you go into takeoff mode and think, you know what, the the, the bowlers are knackered, the ball's doing nothing, let's launch it. I see absolutely no harm. If you are in this mindset of see ball, hit ball, and having hit a few balls, obviously you're spreading the field, therefore you've got fewer close catches, fewer guys in the cordon. Suddenly you, you end up in a position where it's 35 overs down in a test match and the field is as spread as it would be in a one-day game. So suddenly you're able to nudge and nurdle and you know do all the stuff that, that comes naturally in the white ball game. It, it, genuinely, it is game-changing. Now, as I said right at the top, this is first mover status England got here therefore teams will react quickly it's not it's not going to be quite this simple there will be opportunities for guys guys to analyze the way England have gone about in their chases and react you know perhaps start going to more more white ball skills more slower balls more more change-ups all the all the sort of all the sort of cheeky skills that uh that have that have that have factored into to white ball cricket will surely come to play uh before long but right at the moment, it, it, it's fascinating, and it, and 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 yeah, I, I can't can't get enough of it. Um, Stokes has sort of openly <clears throat> talked about rewriting the playbook and and the way tests are played. Certainly, uh, in England uh, and by England, um, there's been a big emphasis on enjoyment, um, as Fish has mentioned. That there are also you know some quite clear 
tactical benefits, you know, not letting a, a team get to a second new ball in the fourth innings being one of them, um, <laughs> speeding the game up so that the pitch is actually, I mean, we factor in a bit of rain and stuff at Edgbaston, you were kind of playing, you were chasing on a fourth day pitch rather than a fifth day pitch, um, or, or the game didn't really get into much of the fifth day anyway. And um, there's, I mean, Stokes talked about how um, that, that they've, kind of made or the, the the effect will be that the third innings becomes more like the fourth innings for you know if a team is trying to set a chase for England because there's this sort of double jeopardy um Vish, I mean, you've kind of mentioned some of the caveats um pitches here haven't deteriorated this summer the 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 dodgy dukes um doing doing that in Chennai or uh, or in say well Pindi over the over the winter is going to be trickier but you know England certainly have Clarity and a, and, a, and a blueprint, a baz, baz print. <laughs> yeah, they do. I, like, I find myself trying to look at what they're doing and attribute some like old norms to it. And one of the things I was thinking about, particularly with the state of the pitches, was that the reason pitches break up is because batters run over them. You know, the reason pitches are the way they are on day five is because, you know, you've had you know, let's say 360 overs of people, you know, not just bowlers, but batters occasionally running through the middle. And it happens all the time. It's one of the reasons that, you know, when you're setting up a fourth innings, or rather when you're setting up an opposition batting in the fourth innings, and one of the things you do is to bat longer is so that you can just, you know, wear the pitch down a bit more. It's a very common thing. And I was thinking, actually, because England are speeding the game along, because they're hitting boundaries and they're not running as much, is that, is that part of it? Is that why it's easier on a fourth day, like on the fourth innings? And, you know, I'm, I'm probably talking absolute garbage there. But, you know, they one of the things they really um, hammered into the batters, particularly this time, is that there's so much space in test cricket because you have your cordon, because you don't really often have a cover. And that mid-on and mid-off are quite straight because often they're talking to the bowler. And you might get a square leg, you might get a mid-wicket, but, you know, when you hit the ball in the air, provided you commit to it, you're going to be fine. Um, we see that a lot from Bairstow in the way they hits down the ground. Um, the pull shot is a obviously a completely different thing, but he, he nails that and he always has done. Um, but even the, you know, if there's a scuff that goes over the slips, you don't need to think, right, I don't need to play that shot. It's more like, right, I mean, if they're not going to have a fly slip, why not? And... I think the extended, like, if you look at the bowling stuff as well, and they've they've taken wickets, you know, that's the that's a funny thing around this. Like, you know, Stokes' four wickets at Edgbaston uh, in the second innings kind of mimicked what he did at Headingley in 2019 when he finished the innings off, really. And it felt like by then that Australia had enough. And, you know, perhaps in a different universe where Lyon takes that ball, they do have enough. But, yeah, there's... Um, <sighs> There is there is clearly a way that they're approaching it that is is rooted in the analytical side, and it might just be because Brendan played that way by the end and realised he was you know he was making hay, but yeah, there's um there's more thought that goes into this than I think we give them credit for. Um, and I mean, I mean, regardless of of the how superficial or otherwise the kind of the approach is um and it, yeah it definitely sounds like they are um, stokes kind of mentioned i think in his post match that it's not just bash it all the time there are a few little things that they're you know uh, clearly not going to divulge but the well ev- everyone's a talking about basball whether basball is a thing or not or was a thing until you coined it but um and B, they're kind of looking on from the outside and kind of going, you know, what what is this? We heard via our um, esteemed former colleague Daniel Brettig um, overnight, I think, that in in the nets in Gaul, Steve Smith was shouting "Bazball" whenever he smacked <laughs> it back, um, and you know, clearly opposition, you know, future uh, opponents of England are going to be looking at this and wondering. How do we take this on? Well, well, to your first point, um, yes, I do believe basball was a thing when I coined the phrase basball because I thought it would happen, and that basically <laughs> stemmed all stemmed almost entirely from from that 2015 Lords Test that I that I bang on about so often mm. because that was when that was when Brendan McCullum was still a, still a player and was going for it in exactly the same way. I, mean, I mentioned previously that, that occasion when they were 12 for three in the second innings and he demoted himself to go again. That was Basball. That was his... his he, he was saying, no, we are going to chase this target down, whatever it was. I think it was about 400. 
But he was adamant that, no, we are going to go for this, regardless of resources, regardless of what England do. We are not taking a backward step. And I, I remember being in the press conference at the time and thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I admire that from the outset, regardless of whether you succeed, succeed or fail. I rather admire that as a, as, a, as, a, as a template for for success more often than not, if you want to put it like that. Um, so, yes, I do believe Basball did did exist before before the word went 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 around the world. But but I also believe that you know it's more as you say it's more than just it's more than just a word. It's more than just some sort of weird mantra. It is a mindset. It is a positivity. It is a it is a general belief in the collective, rather than a belief in 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 individuals producing miracles, which essentially comes back to the, the point I made earlier. So, um, yeah, and and if teams, you know, if you've got if you've got Australia in in goal taking notes already and shouting it in the nets, then you know it's it, it there's there's signs that 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 clearly there is a reaction imminent, and um, we will wait and see what that reaction is. I think Rassi van der Zersen has, has literally just said, let's see them do that against our bowlers, you know, when, when uh, Basball was broke to him. So, um, yeah. But, I mean, you, you kind of want the rest of the world to take notice and you also want the rest of the world to try and counter it because that's just going to be more entertaining, isn't it? You, know, you don't really want anyone to be subservient to this. Um, and I think by the end, you know, because New Zealand were caught cold a bit, there was an element of like, right, what should we have done differently? And South Africa should be looking at these four tests and being like, well... For starters, win the toss, and we're gonna bowl first. And secondly, you know, how how do we do we start with two slips and a fly slip then, or do we put do we start with a man out mid wicket? Do we, you know, drop mid off and mid on? Are we gonna one another them where one's three quarters and one's the you know the normal in the normal position? But there, there are, to counter this, you need to think a bit differently on a, on a number of fronts. And I think that's only a good thing given, you know, so much of Test cricket has been set in stone. But that in itself will be fascinating, won't it? Imagine coming to the Oval, an absolute belter at the Oval. You win the toss and you're already second-guessing yourself. It's an obvious win, toss and bat track because it always yes. is. And suddenly you think, ooh, basketball... We're going to bowl. I mean, is that is that automatically seeding the mind games, or or do you back what you know best and say, you know what, we got Kugisa Rabada, etc. In the fourth innings, we are going to demolish you when the ball starts going up and down. I mean, you know, again, the fact we're already talking about this, you know, and drilling in on the absolute most fundamental law of Test cricket is like you know, you win the toss. Your bat, you think about bowling your bat, you, you, you know, they're, they're all the old, all the old nonsense that people bang on about. We're second guessing that most fundamental part of Test cricket after four, four tests. Uh, that, that's that's a really interesting uh, state of mind to go into uh, the the height of the summer, isn't it? Not just that, but we're also about to go into a white ball program. England about to play basically three weeks of white ball games, and it feels like a little bit of a chore because there won't be any Test cricket. What, <laughs> yeah. World. uh it's uh, like uh, like the good old days uh vish um i mean i think you made this point on uh on a pod um a few weeks ago that that there'll be a a point uh, there'll there'll be a sense and and i was already getting it in some of the feedback during the edge baston test that that other people will start getting annoyed with references to um basball and uh, uh, and you know this is the way we play and kind of almost a um a holy than now approach i mean i don't think i don't think you can uh, it's, it's certainly very cynical to get um uh get worked up about england saying oh we're just gonna have fun um is there a little is it a little veering on the kind of the david brent uh, you know, you'll never have a boss like me, someone who's basically a chilled out entertainer here, Vish. Well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think and, about and therefore should it be. Therefore, should we take it seriously? I think. Well, I think the whole point of it, the whole concept of what they're doing, is not to take it seriously. The, the whole and, that, and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and and so like I don't. I don't I don't think it's a problem if people are riled by it, but if one team is playing that way, you can't then, you know, you can't just then like 
get up from your seat in the bus and sit somewhere else. Like, you have to <laughs> indulge them, don't you? And you can indulge them in many different ways. But it, but if you're playing in that game where they're playing that way, you're playing in an entertaining game. Um, so, you know, Stokes said some fascinating things about Rishabh Punt uh, last night about how, like, oh, he, like, basically we like the way he goes about it. That was, he even said that, you know, while it, the, that first innings 100 was against England, he really enjoyed being a part of it. He felt it was fun. He felt he was... He had to be thinking every ball. They didn't know what he was going to do. And they had to set fields in certain way and approach it in certain ways. And he he basically concluded saying, this is a guy who's who's got stick throughout the start of his career because he happens to play in a certain way. Despite the fact that it's very productive, he gets hammered relentlessly when it goes wrong. And now he is such a key focus of that India team. And so integral to how they scare people now, especially because, you know, certainly with the bat, certainly because of Virat Kohli's form at the moment. Um, and he basically said, he basically finished off saying, people love watching stuff like that. Pe- people like him are going to change the game. So so thank you, Rishab. He thanked him. That was the last thing Stoke said in his press conference. Thank you, Rishab. And I think he meant it because, I don't know, who doesn't want to play in those games? You know, it's, it's great for us to watch it. It's incredible for us to report on it. But, Honestly, playing in it looked like the most fun. And I don't think you could say that about a lot of test cricket, certainly English test cricket we've seen recently. Well, it's so, it's so true. I mean, and, and it's not as if England haven't had a close-up look at Rishabh Pant to play. I mean, you know, the way in which he played in in that series out in India, uh, him him and Rohit Sharma, in fact, the, the, both of them were playing a way that cannot help but have made England stop and think. It's like both of them were were transcending the conditions, essentially. England were there panicking about the state of the pitches and the ball turning too much. Both of them just strode out. They were like, you know what? I'm just going to play my way. And, you know, Rohit's much, much more measured, much more much more um, focal, focused, straight-line player. But, you know, that 160, he got at, what was it, Chennai in the second game. I think I think that was it. I lose track of how, how and when he scored his runs. But there was one, one of his innings in particular was just... He he he'd taken the game out of England's hands in two sessions simply yeah, on by day playing. One, I think. Yeah. yeah, on day one, exactly that. It's like he'd scored more runs than England could dare to dream of scoring across two innings in one day, and now England can dare to dream that because when they go back out and face conditions like that, they will not be scared in the same way that they were last time around. They will play their shots. It might not come off as we keep saying, but you know, to go back to the, Alan's original point about are people going to start getting riled by baseball? Well, they've got no right to be riled by it. England have just chased down 270 four times in a row, including their highest ever run chase in their last game to beat the best team in the world, with all apologies to the World Test Champions. I mean, you, you can't get riled by that. You can, you can accept, you can, you can say, well, OK, fine, bring this out to India or, or Pakistan or, or Australia and try and prove this. But you can't, you can't, you can't say, that, well, whatever, it doesn't count for anything. It clearly counts for something because it has been extraordinary to witness and um it will keep happening if England keep playing as we know they will for the rest of the summer yeah I I think one of the things I noticed that people get annoyed about is they perceive the way England are talking about what they're doing as like we're the first people to ever do this you know look look at us changing and like and like you definitely I can definitely understand from the fan bases of certain countries why they might be getting a whiff of imperialism about some of the chat but I think it's important to say that within the England dressing room they are talking about it in terms of what people have done before but haven't continued doing so Rishab obviously they they you know Stokes mentioned him yesterday um Alex Lees it was a nickname he picked up from from uh, his early days at Yorkshire but they every now and again refer to him as Doss because of Haydos because of Matthew Hayden <laughs> because they want him to play like Matthew Hayden you know there's been references to players like Rinder Sewag Sewag you know, Jared, Jared Kimber coined it way, way, way back in the day. But this is basically an extension of Sewagology, isn't it? Mm. This kind of going out there and just, if a ball's there to hit for a boundary, hit it for a boundary. Don't worry about your high elbows and keeping it on the ground. If it's, if it's going to go, send it. Um, Absolutely. There's, you know, people like Gilchrist as well. And also, when we talk about space and like attacking bowlers because bowlers bowl consistently in test cricket and therefore that you're able to get at them, I still remember the reaction to KP when he hit McGrath over his head at Lords, and 
because it was at Lord's, there weren't cheers, there were gasps. It was like, <laughs> and, and not just because he hid it into the members section, but there was, a, and but he came out and explained it afterwards, and he referenced Philander, uh, Vernon Philander as well. He said, you know, they create this lovely little cluster, and you can't get them away, and then you step forward, or you take your guard a foot forward, and you're like, okay, this is a this is a half folly. Or you charge them and turn it into a half folly. So this people have had these ideas for so, so long. You know, obviously there's that photo of Trumper where he's basically more or less doing exactly the same thing. Um, people have done it for so, so long, they just haven't really bought in as a team. It's all yeah. been on the whim of individuals. Exactly and, that, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. This is, you know, we're, we're repeating what we said last week just for the benefit of latecomers. You know, in terms of imperialism, it's, it's absolute nonsense. I mean, I referenced exactly those points, CWAG included, uh, last week, but even before this test, test finished. So, you know, you're right. It is, it is the collective buy-in that is different. I mean, on, yeah. on your point about, about KP in particular, I mean, you know, again, another guy who did things his own way. I remember vividly his explanation for the switch hit. Uh, when he first unveiled that on on Murley in, in Edgebest, I think it was two thousand six, and his 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 explanation in the post match in the after play conference was was incredible. He said, "Well, look, the, obviously there was a massive gap over extra cover because Murley was bowling in such a way the ball was going to turn the other way." So, well, of course I'm going to nobble him over extra cover because it's the logical shot to do. It's like, yeah, of course you are. I mean, only KP can pull that off in those days. But now suddenly it is the logical shot for Joe Root to go down on one knee and, 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 and launch a length ball outside off over, over third man because it, it, who's going to stop that? It's, it, it, it's England are suddenly buying into this collective, and that is the crucial point here, a collective mindset of, of, of let's go for it, whatever, whatever it may be. And it tells you how far they've gone when it's uh, it's KP on the commentary saying, just occasionally, I want them to just value their wicket a bit more. Uh, <laughs> it's incredible, that. That was absolutely incredible. And I think Nasser pulled him up on it, didn't he? He's like, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> it's the way you play, is it, Kim? I think, yeah. Um, uh, looking uh, uh, under the bonnet a little bit at some of the specifics of, the, of that um, game, um, and Miller, it has been... Um, it's been the summer of Johnny really as much as anything else. Bear runs for Bear Stowe, 614, <laughs> um, 102.3 in four tests uh, so far. Two hundreds at Edgbaston. Um, I mean, he is he is on it. Like a bonnet. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, he, he is he is a force of nature. He always has been. He he always will be. And finally, that force of nature has been given a circumstance in which he can just be Johnny. I mean, you know, nobody epitomises the, the, the square peg and round hole issues that England have had with their test cricket over the last few years better than Johnny. I mean, I talk about this all the time, you know, the, the efforts he went to, he made that conscious decision around 2016 that, no, I want a part of this white ball ride. I am going to force my way into that team by hook or by crook. And, you know, it's easily forgotten how hard he had to fight, harder than any other batter in that side to get a chance in that team. Owen Morgan didn't want to let him in. You know, simple as that. He, he, he decided that Hales and Roy were his opening, part, opening partnership. He didn't want to drop Roy for love nor money during that, during that Champions Trophy run in particular. Finally, you know, it got to the point where Roy just couldn't buy a run, so in comes Johnny, and he just starts scoring runs, and he didn't let up because he was a dog with a bone, and he was like, you know what? I am going to be the best player in this team. And before long, you know, arguably he, arguably he was in white wall cricket. And now suddenly he's been given this opportunity to stop worrying about being bold, you know, adjusting his guard to try and try and turn his cover drives into, into something that doesn't end up with his middle stump splattering all over the place. He's like, no, sod it. I'm going to carry on launching over the covers because that's what I do so well in white wall cricket. It's, it's a flawless policy in that, in that, in that form of the game. It's a flawless policy now that he's 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 zoned his mind in on on it's me v him. It's not me versus Test cricket. It's not me versus the format. It's me versus that that bugger over there with a the ball in his hand who's who's flinging at me, and you know I'm going to belt him further than he belts me. It's, it's magnificent. I mean, it is proper Baz brawling from Johnny, and um, you know I'm I'm I I, I I I'm really rather enjoying it. <laughs> he he yeah he said I think words to the effect of I've, I've never been much of a technician have I. In one of his press conferences. What, he, he, he was joking about it. He was like, it's why you've given me stick, you know, speaking to us in the media, you know, about yeah. being bold, about being too offside of it, too leg side of it. Yeah. And, you know, 
the Johnny of old wouldn't have been able to joke about that because it would have all been weighing on his mind. And and now it's not. Yeah. Um, and well, someone who probably does have a, still a little bit of weight on his shoulders. Um, Vishy wrote about Zach Crawley during the test. Um, he hasn't had a great run of it so far for tests at the top score of 46, but that 46 came in his most recent innings. Um, and that partnership really uh, was the, you know, set the tone, provided the foundations, however you want to put it. They they uh, scored the fastest opening, uh, century opening stand for England ever. Um, Doss uh, was probably the uh, the prime mover there, charging down the wicket is sort of third ball from Mohammed Shami and and reverse sweeping uh, Ravinder Jadeja for what the the fifth reverse sweep he'd have played or something like that um, in first class cricket. But um, I mean that 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 stand gave England and I guess the crowd and everyone watching the belief that actually this might might be done. Yeah, and importantly, I think it shocked. Bumrah in the field and suddenly there were you know uh, the fielders back on the fence but the slips were a little bit closer there were singles everywhere like what Root and Bairstow did brilliantly was knock the ball around you know obviously on the final day it ended with a bit of a flourish but you know when they rebuilt after those three wickets that were lost very quickly um, you know in that period just after T they the damage was done as far as like India's, um, you know, in terms of India's mindset and their approach. Yeah, the um, yeah, the Lees and Crawley thing was was fascinating, really, because I think you know Lees took quite a few risks, and it was you know very entertaining to watch. He uh, he went after a drive. Um, I can't remember off who he went after a drive, really committed to it, and he ended up getting four through mid wicket, which um, Ali Martin of the Guardian described as the Graham Smith cover drive, which I <laughs> quite enjoyed. <laughs> But um, the thing I was most impressed about Crawley, and because there was a t- there was a period within that knock of forty six where it looked like he was batting by numbers, he'd hit one ball, he'd leave the next ball. He eventually got out leaving, but there were some very very close leaves in there. Um, but he he kind of he he bought into it, and I think he's um, he's justified the faith that McCullum and Stokes put in him. Um, I know there'll still be some people saying that he should be out and I you know I wouldn't say I was one of them but I could totally understand if that was the case but I mean they were vindicated really by what he did in that final innings because he went into it with no form whatsoever with a lot of pressure on him and he was able to park that just just for an innings think you know what he played it like he you know what he approached it like it was his last innings and probably you know when you're in that run of form you're allowed to do that in this team, just like just go out there and play. We know you're good. One of the things Stokes said at the start of the, you know, before the test was that I'm pumping up his tires, but at some point he's going to stop believing me. You know, he. Uh, I'm paraphrasing him there, but like at some point when I tell him how good he is and how much trust I have in him, you know, it's, it's like the chairman's vote of confidence for a football manager, isn't it? <laughs> as soon as you get that, you probably think, oh right, okay, I'll start clearing my desk now. <laughs> um, no, but I, I found it very impressive. It wasn't his most fluent knocks, but there were fluent shots within there. Um, but yeah, it's got to be incredibly, an incredibly tough situation to walk out in on a number of fronts. And I thought he he did admirably. Yeah. And, and and more to the point, when you look at the last two fourth innings that England have had, there is there there is Crawley. I think he's what sixty nine runs from about and I'm guessing eighty ninety balls. I mean, he's not been any sort of form. But even even in even in that chase at Headingley, there he was having run out Alex Lee's. He 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 found enough residual something gumption in his brain to think, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm gonna smoke four fours in an over off Trent Bolt here just just to just to just to lay down a marker and and lo and behold it was a it was a crucial little 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 flurry that that helped to to instill further belief from the guys who hadn't yet come in so he he's done just about the needful in both of those fourth innings to to set the tone whatever that tone needed to be um so yeah I mean it's probably a good time for him to have a bit of a break before before South Africa. He's he's going to be in that squad without a doubt after this performance, and he can just yeah get his head down and and hide for a bit probably. I mean you know presumably he'll play some white ball cricket, but uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes off on holiday and just just ignores the game for a bit and yeah come come back refreshed. But you know in terms of the collective buy-in again we keep coming back to that word the collective buy-in he he has bought in. He's not he's not bought as big a ticket as some. But he's on. He's 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 come along for the ride, and he he's he's just about done 
the necessary to, to get people over the line. That slot machine will pay out um, to really mix up the metaphors. Um, we talked a lot about the batting bish, but um, I mean, there's plenty to be said uh, about the bowling as well. I mean, just uh, not least, but the the fact they've taken 20 wickets in every test uh, by hook or by crook. And in games when actually a lot of the surfaces haven't been that helpful to, to the bowlers. I mean, lords aside on that first day. Um, that, you know, we've been talking about record run chases and things, um, but England have managed to take 80 wickets over the course of four tests. Yeah, and they've managed to do it by sticking with attacking fields. And I suppose if you don't care what you're chasing, then you're not going to be <laughs> yeah. you're not going to be looking to save runs, are you? So that's you know it all feeds you, into you. Each you other. want to chase a few more, as Stokes said. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I like. I mean, it's it's thing. I, I mean, I don't know what they're on. Like, I mean, I, I like I, I like it. I like what I like what it's doing to them. But I mean, things like that. It's astonishing. Yeah, um, Get, getting higher but, for their yeah, own supply. Yeah, yeah, which was a phrase that came up a lot <laughs> over the uh, the last couple of weeks. But it was like in um, when like at, uh, at Headingley when Stokes didn't bowl himself, and then he told us in the lead up to Edgbaston that I actually wanted to push them as hard as I could. You think of a you think of a te- I know that it counts towards World Test Championship points, but in terms of the series, you think of a dead rubber. You know, you might mix up. There's players. You might rest a few people here and there. Stokes didn't do that, and not only didn't do that, he obviously <laughs> Anderson can play, but he he just put them through the ringer to see how they'd respond. And you know, he he tried to keep it to himself, and basically what he wanted to show them what they could do. He wanted to show them that they could do the graft as well. And I think maybe he he was always going to back it up with the fact that he's bowled some pretty tough spells in his England career and, and has wanted to do them. And he wanted to see that from other people. So we had that situation, you know, in the, uh, a couple of tests ago when Jack Leach and Matthew Potts were bowling in tandem, keeping it, uh, you know, really dry. I think Potts bowled nine overs on the bounce. Uh, and then, um, you know, it's been referenced a couple of times this test by players that like seen James Anderson bowl bouncers at 7 PM. It's mm. like, well, okay. Everyone, you know, no one's too posh to push, are they? <laughs> Which is a phrase that, you know, means a hell of a lot in English cricket. But, you know, no one's too good to, to be in the dirt, to be grafting. And, you know, that has been the bowlers buying, I suppose, as well. Like, no, we're not, we don't need, a, you know, roots bowled a bit. We're not, we're not going to have, a, you know, a deadly alike bowling a bit of leg spin because we can't be asked. We're going to, you know, we're going to do the work. We're the bowlers. If the batters are going to do their job, we're going to do the work. And I wonder if mentally there is a bit, because, because as I said, the batters are doing the work, because they're chasing down the scores, the bowlers are a bit more inclined to, you know, go that extra yard because for the longest time they've been, they've asked so much of them. And, you know, it was only six months ago we were hearing stories from the dressing room in the during the Ashes where the bowlers were like, lads, any chance, you know? We've been, you know, we've been put through the ringer by their batters and then you're going out there and coming back in after 40 overs. Like, we need a bit of a rest here. Um, and I think, you know, especially given the fact that the, the bowlers are the oldest as well. You know, you've got a guy turning 40 soon. You've got a 36-year-old who's been there and done it for England who I suppose in any other lifetime would deserve to walk away in the sunset and be, be carried off into the sunset in some way. But they still want to be around. They still want to be part of this. And... I think more than ever they they believe a bit. Yeah, James Anderson saying that McCullum makes him feel ten feet tall, and you know there was a moment yesterday actually where we were finishing up polite inquiries, and there was music blaring from you know McCullum's, um, you know speakers, and you know some players were out there playing football, some players were there drinking, and Broad walked out and was having a chat with Philip Brown, the photographer, and all I could think of was like he was leaving that area because he was like it's just full of young kids. You know, every now and again, you're in a bar and it's full of people <laughs> younger than you. You're like, you know, what? I don't smoke, but I'm going to go stand outside for a little bit just to, you know, take it all in, just to get some fresh air before going back in again. Um, but the, yeah, they, they seem to be really enjoying it. And you think of them, but also someone like Jack Leach, who a couple of tests ago took 10 wickets in a match. Everyone feels a bit more emboldened about this and has a bit more belief. That negative thinking that Root was talking about with batting, it definitely applies to bowling as well. And it feels like by not thinking like that, they're giving themselves a bit more to the cause. I wonder how uh, how uh, 
good about uh, life under the new regime Broad was feeling after being put through that extra workload um, at Henley. Well, he's the, he's, uh, the night, he's the Nighthawk now, isn't he? So... Well, yeah. Well, so I was going to say that the, 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 the Bumrah over, uh, which we should mention, 35 runs, um, a world record. Uh, this is not white ball cricket, um, but uh, Stuart Broad, on the, unfortunately, on the end of it again, as he, as he was to your thing back in... Um, 2007 but yeah he is he's not this is not a new MCU character the, the Night Hawk um, please please explain um, wow okay so uh, Will McPherson of the Evening Standard actually wrote about this on the morning of that final day when he was talking about England chasing and he said and he mentioned that um, Broad has actually been padded up at Lords on that penultimate evening at Headingley on that penultimate evening obviously he wasn't needed at Trembridge and padded up um, at Edgbaston. And then in the press conference, Stokes confirmed this and said that, yeah, so we wanted him to go out there and thrash a few runs. And they only came up with the name recently of, because it's not a night watchman, it's a night, because <laughs> he's hunting for boundaries, he's a night hawk. And it's, yeah. And so, and so we were asked like, you know, what is the, so what is the upside here? Then it's 30 of 10. What, what do you expect from him? And he just said, well, 30 of 10 or not off one. You know, yeah. go out there, go out there, and, and swing a bit. And it's, I mean, it's hilarious. It's it's funny because it's nonsense, but it's also like, actually, why not? Yeah, like, take I mean, the you know, game like, forward. But but also just like, what happens if you did things differently? It's you know, you both have Alan and uh, Miller. You both have kids. You would have they've have gone through that phrase of just asking why for everything. And <laughs> this is an England Test team. Actually, still, yeah, what, still, what happens? <laughs> What happens if we just went out there and didn't do the blocking thing and we did the swinging thing instead? And yeah, just to specify, it's only for the chases because Jack Leach has come out and been the night watchman in the in England's first innings a couple of times. But it's mainly for the when they're chasing a score and they don't want to waste too much time just blocking out and, and playing for stumps, essentially. Yeah, there, there was actually some discussion of whether the night watchman, you know, was was um, you know in keeping with the tenets of of baseball uh, uh, as Leach what did come so, out. So, but you know, clearly, clearly they thought. That. What, so what I what I think actually happens is actually the, the night watchman doesn't necessarily go go away. Broad comes in as this night hawk, and then the set batter becomes the night watcher, where he doesn't need to take as many risks because losing him is worse than losing Broad. So he might nudge it around a bit and get brought on strike, who in turn swings for the fences. I mean, the I'm talking about this. I'm it. talking about this like it's a thing already. <laughs> like I, I have any understanding of what they're thinking in that room. Yeah. I have no yeah. idea. It's but it's, it's completely planned out. Um, Miller, we've got we've got three T20s and three ODIs to come uh, against India, and then more against South Africa. We've got Josh Butler as the new white ball captain. Uh, got Richard Gleeson winning a first call-up. But none of this is going to feel so exciting, is it, after the past five weeks? I know, it's business as usual, isn't it? Where, where white ball cricket gets relegated to the, to the boring <laughs> middle overs, isn't it? It's like, yeah, follow that if you can. Uh, I mean, we will. We will follow it uh, tomorrow um, from, from 6pm, I think, isn't it? So, so yeah, good, yes. good luck to all of us So to try and get, uh, get our head, heads around that time, that sort of turnaround. But uh, such is the summer we're in. Um but no, it's it, it, it's going. It's been it's been compelling. I mean, one one final point uh, on on the tests. Just going mm. back to to the point you were making about Broad and his thirty five for the thirty five run over. Now, as you know, I have swallowed my red pill. I'm I'm completely all in on everything they're doing. But I must admit, the one area in which I was doubtful about England's tactics was the short ball to the tail. Um, now, this I think. The proof in the pudding was the second innings. Clearly, when well, there are seven seven wickets for ninety two, proved crucial. And again, they weren't backing off from the short ball. Um, but it just briefly it, it harked back to what went wrong for England last time around at Lords, in particular, last summer when they took on when their egos essentially got the better of them. They tried to out ego Shami and Bumrah, started bowling at their heads in, in light of that that ten ball no ball over to to Jimmy Anderson. And they got smashed to such an extent that they basically threw away a test they were winning. And, you know, you've got to, you, we're all in the early, early days of working out what the hell's going on here. So, you know, even, even, even the believers can have, have their moments of doubt. And when, you know, when Brody's bouncing in, balls are getting smashed over the, no balls going for six over, over the keeper and, you know, 35 runs in and over, 
think, oh my God, uh, lads, 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 you know, just, just line and length. What's, what, where is the harm in bowling your best ball to number nine and 10 and 11 and trying to, trying to hit top of off? That, that is kind of how it's done, but not by this team. And they keep hammering away. And again, it comes down to the, that, that, the point that Vish made in his, in his piece the other day. It's like, give us a number. We don't, we don't really care what goes on. Give us a number, we'll chase it, and we'll get you out in the meantime, even if it means you know we have to buy, buy your wicket with a few runs. England did that all the way through. They bought Richard Pant's wicket, essentially. They kept in the slip, but you know encouraged him to go for shots, and he kept going for shots, and then finally tries one shot too many, and lo and behold, there's a slip waiting, because he's, he's an attacking fielder in a position that the ball probably wasn't going to come to him very often with, with Richard Pant in that sort of mood. But by trusting the fact that there will be a mistake and we've got to have the fielders in position to deal with that mistake when it happens. England got that wicket. They bought that wicket for a cost of, what, 203 runs across two innings, which, you know, on balance doesn't sound like a very good bargain. But, you know, sometimes sometimes people drive a hard deal, don't they? And, uh, you know, when it comes to haggling that final number, England were willing to say, you know what, Rishabh, you're actually quite good. We, You know, if we could, we'd adopt you and you could be you could be in our team. You, you, you can come aboard. Um, they figured that, you know what, on balance... It's worth it. It's worth allowing him to to have license and hopefully make a mistake sooner than he did, rather than think, "Oh my God, it's Rashad Pant teeing off." Everyone back, runs the boundaries, freak out, lose. That's basically how they would have done it previously, and now suddenly they're they're sticking to their guns, even if it means you know Brody ending up going for a world record over that would have looked uh, pretty embarrassing in the cold light of day if England had had actually done what perhaps lesser sides would have done or lesser mentality sides would have done in, in that sort of circumstance and and had a moment of doubt uh, like like um, like a few people on the boundaries edge clearly had at that, at that point Well, England are still searching for that line um, and it's going to be fun uh, watching them try to find it, I guess we will, uh, we've got the rest of the summer mapped out for us, I think uh, that will do for now though um, you may not have to hear the term basball for another six weeks with England's test cricketers hanging up their capes until the South Africa series starts in mid-August. Uh, there'll be plenty uh, giving it a nudge in the meantime, though, with a slew of white ball matchups featuring both the men and the women. Uh, we'll be on it like a six on a car bonnet. Uh, I should just point out, just just, just before, we, before we sign off, I should just point out, James Hansen got five for 60 in that first innings. <laughs> oh, yeah. The man is a freak. Oh, yeah. The a, a few, an absolute a, freak. A few days before his 40th birthday as well. <laughs> and we're not even talking about it such is the weird 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 world we live in <laughs> uh, yeah and and there's a women's test that we uh, don't have time to go into um there is uh the the, the feats of uh alice davidson richards who outdid jamie overton's uh england debut and matched wg grace um izzy wong bringing the wheels as well but we will have further pods as the summer goes on um until the next time my thanks to Miller and Vish, uh, and to you all for tuning in to the Switcher podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. <laughs> <laughs>